Twelve Years in the Saddle for Law and Order on the Frontiers of Texas by Sergeant W.J.L. Sullivan, Texas Ranger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Appendix Containing Poems and Letters to the Author A Last Farewell Composed and written by Dora Brown, October 13, 1902 Just one year ago today, love, we said our last goodbye. We parted in a quarrel, you know the reason why. But that is all forgiven, and I dreamed it o'er and o'er. Little did we think when parting, that we'd meet again no more. Yes, it is all forgiven, a thousand times and more. Oh, could it once more happen, to be forgiven o'er. But it seems that our paths have parted, that the hope we have cherished must die. Your looks and actions are remembered, even your saying goodbye. The world is full of pleasures, but few, if any, I see, since the one I loved so dearly is taken away from me. My prayers are for a brighter day, when we may prove our love, but if we meet no more on earth, I hope we'll meet above. Yes, I had rather share your grief than other people's glee. While you are nothing to the world, you are all the world to me. I once saw sunshine in your smiles, heard music in your tone. I oft recall your words of love when I am all alone. Once you were my betrothed, noble, brave, and true. The love that gleamed in your brown eyes was as gentle as the dew. As fearless as our patriots, who have braved the storms of sea, you have roamed the west all over with the heart that beat for me. Then you were a gay cowboy, your life was happy and free. There was nothing then to blight your joys, and pleasure was in store for me. We vowed to wed and never part. The wedding day was set. On Christmas night, with hand and heart, our vows we plight to ne'er regret. But cruel fate has on us frowned. My prayers were all in vain. My darling in the sentence found seven long years to remain. At Fowler, in a convict camp, my loved one toils each day, while one at home with bleeding heart for him dost watch and pray. The saloon at Dalhart caused this war. The man was not to blame. For in this business we all know, many men are brought to shame. Don't let this hurt your feelings, love, and blame me not, my own dear Ed, for all will be forgotten here when we are numbered with the dead. My motto is, I will be true, my vows will never change. I love none half so well as you, as long as life remains. No other love my heart can wake, no matter where I rove, the promise I shall never break, I am going to prove true to the one I love. Uh, this July 12, 1908. I knew this lady well. She used to live in Hutchinson County, Texas. She composed this poem for Ed while living in Channing, Texas, and sent it to him while he was in the penitentiary. W.J.L. Sullivan. Texas Rangers After the Mob Governor Culberson, from among the rest, chose four rangers whom he thought best. He ordered us to San Saba to put down crime. We met in Goldthwaite all on time. Two from the Panhandle, two from the Rio Grande, which made a jolly little ranger band. We stopped at a hotel to stay all night. From what the people said, we expected a fight. They puffed and blowed and said we were in danger, for a bushwhacker didn't like a ranger. We laughed at such talk and considered it fun, but wherever we went, we carried our gun. We had a six-shooter, a Winchester too, that would shoot a buffalo through and through. Next morning at early dawn, 
we were off to San Saba, as sure as you're born. In a wagon, with sheet and bows, how we stood it, the good Lord knows. The roads were rough as rough could be. Why it did not kill us, I cannot see. Over mountains and hills, through the dust, over rocks, till I thought, die I must. We stopped in San Saba all that night, still expecting a hard little fight. We rose next morning, gathered up our tricks, our camping outfit we began to fix. We got a pair of mules and a wagon too, cooking utensils and something to chew. We wanted a cook, for we expected to be slain, so the job was given to Buck Chamberlain. We stopped in town a day or two, met some of the girls, as pretty as ever we knew. Then to the Colorado River we soon did go. When to return we did not know. The sheriff went along to pilot us through. He knew the country. Buck did, too. We stopped at noon, got something to eat. For economy, Buck was hard to beat. He got on the wagon, taking a chew, and said, Come on, boys, better go through. He drove into the creek, his lines all slack, stalled his mules, and then looked back. Sullivan, Barker, and Edgar Neal all jumped off and grabbed a wheel. Maddox jumped off and grabbed one, too. Buck hit old Jack and yelled, Get up, Sue! We made it to the river and pitched our tent. To have a mess of fish, we were all bent. Still, we were hearing a lot of the mob, but we felt as though we were on to our job. We rode over the country, went where we pleased, but kept our eyes on all the big trees. So we sent to Sheriff Bell for a good watchdog. It would tickle you to death to see him catch a hog. He caught by the tail, dropped down behind. They went over that hill simply flying. Here are the Texas Rangers. I know it is a hard life. You had better find a girl and ask her to be your wife. Now, if you trust in God, he will carry you through. So goodbye, Ranger boys. I'll bid you adieu. Composed by Alan Maddox, Company D, Rio Grande, W.J.L. Sullivan, Sergeant, Company B, Panhandle, January 11th, 1897. The Cowboy's Hymn When I think of the last great roundup on the eve of eternity's dawn, I think of the host of the cowboys that have been with us here and have gone. I think of those big-hearted fellows who'll divide with you blanket and bread, with a piece of stray beef well-roasted, and charge for it never a red. I wonder if any will greet me, on the sands of that evergreen shore, with a hearty God bless you, old fellow, that you've met with so often before. And I often look upward and wonder if the green fields will seem half so fair, if any the wrong trail have taken, and fail to be over there. The trail that leads down to perdition is paved all the way with good deeds, but in the great roundup of ages, dear boys, this won't answer your needs. The trail to green pastures, though narrow, leads straight to the home in the sky, and Jesus will give you your passport to the land in the sweet by and by. Jesus has taken the contract to deliver all those who believe at the headquarters ranch of the Father, in the great range where none can deceive. The inspector will stand at the gateway, where the herd, one and all, must go by, and the round-up by the angels in judgment must pass neath his all-searching eye. No maverick nor slicks will be tallied in that great book of life in his home, for he knows all the brands and the earmarks that down through all ages have come. But along with the strays and the sleepers, the tailings must turn from the gate. No road brand to give them admission, but that awful sad cry, too late. But I trust in that last great round-up, when the rider shall cut the big herd, that the cowboy will be represented in the earmark and brand of the Lord, to be shipped to that bright mystic region 
over there in green pastures to lie, and lead by the crystal still waters to the home in the sweet by and by. Charlie Roberts Huntsville Graveyard There's an upland field near the Huntsville stream where the grass grows rank and tall, a place of dread to cherished hearts when the evening shadows fall. The laugh is hushed, the voice grows mute, it is passed with a quickened tread, that little spot on God's green earth where lies the convict dead. How many lives that are promised fair in boyhood's early prime have found their rest in place up there that's marked with those of crime. God grant that in their former days they've done some deeds of love that will balance all their erring ways in the book of life above. And there's many a boy that has gone astray, yes, many a mother's pride, and among the dead are laid away on Huntsville's green hillside. They perhaps are listening for his steps that in death are forever still, and watching for the form that lies in Huntsville's graveyard hill. Composed by A. E. Hillen, Clayton, New Mexico, July 12, 1908. I, W. J. Sullivan, caught this man in Dalhart while stationed there holding down crime. Song Ballad of the Dying Ranger The sun was sinking in the west, and fell with a lingering ray, through the branches of the forest, where the dying ranger lay. Beneath the shade of a palmetto and the silvery sunset sky, far away from his home in Texas, we laid him down to die. A group that gathered around him, his comrades in the fight, the tears rolled down each manly cheek as they bid him a last good night. One friend, a loved companion, was kneeling by his side, striving to quench the lifeblood flow, but, alas, in vain he tried. His heart was filled with anguish when he found it all in vain, as over each loved companion's cheeks the tears rolled down like rain. Up spoke the dying ranger, saying, Weep no more for me. I am crossing over the river, where all beyond is free. Come gather close around me, and listen to what I say. I am going to tell a story, while my spirit hastes away. Far away in loved old Texas, that good old Lone Star State, there is one that will wait my coming. With a weary heart she will wait. A fair young girl, my sister, my only hope and pride, my only care from childhood, I have none else beside. I've nourished and I've cherished her lonesome heart to cheer. She loves, oh, so fondly, and she is to me so dear. When our country was in danger and called for volunteers, sister threw her arms around me and bursted into tears, saying, Go, my darling brother, drive the engines from our shore. My heart shall need your presence, but our country needs you more. My mother, she lies sleeping beneath the churchyard sod, and many a year has passed and gone since her spirit went to God. My father lies perished beneath the dark blue sea. I've no father, I've no mother. There is only Nell in me. I know I love my country. I have given to her my all. And had it not been for my sister, I would be content to fall. I am dying, comrades dying. She will see me never more. But in vain she will wait my coming at the little cottage door. Come gather close around me, and listen to my dying prayer. You will be to her a brother, and shield her with a brother's care. The rangers spoke together, as one voice seemed to fall. She will be to us a sister. We will guard her, one and all. One short, brief look of anguish over his youthful face was spread. One quick, repulsive shadow, and the ranger boy was dead. On the banks of the old Nueces, we laid him down to rest, with a saddle for a pillow, and a lone star on his breast. July 29, 1897, 
W. R. Styles. The Old Cowboy of the Plains. Written by a mountain buffalo hunter, Jim Williams. The day is bleak and cold and drear. Summer is gone and winter is near. The cold blue air upholds no birds, and the cattle drift south in rustling herds. The cowboys round up and trail work's done. He hangs up his saddle, his spurs, and his gun. He turns out his ponies on the mesquite grass and rustles the shippers for a homeward pass. If he can't get a pass, he will rustle the freights until he gets back to his home in the States. He crossed the broad plains way back in 68 when mules and ox wagons hauled all the freight. The California route was a usual trail, and the stagecoach and ponies carried the mail. He would tell tales all winter of the long, long ago, of engines on the prairies, and the herds of buffalo. When you hear him sing his songs all so sad, you'd think, after all, he's not so bad. It's bury me not in the lone prairie, where the wild coyotes will howl over me, where the wild rose blooms and the wind sports free. Oh, bury me not on the lone prairie. Then again he would laugh and fill with mirth, and tell a bronco that quits the earth, or when he was called out in the dead hour of night to check a stampede or Indians to fight. From Texas to Montana he followed the trail, and to Denver and Cheyenne he expected his mail. None but old cowboy can realize or ever know the dangers and hardships we experienced from South Texas to mountain peaks of snow. Through blinding rain and sunshine, though the days and nights were long, the weeks and months were rolling while he sung his cowboy song. Trail on, dogies, Montana is your home. From the salt grass and cactus to the north plains you must roam. With his saddle for a pillow under his head, the grass of the prairie served him for his bed. Often he watched the bright stars till almost day, thinking of his home and sweetheart so far away. He rejoices when frost falls, and he sees the autumn moon, for his work is about over, and he is going home soon. He said to the boys as he boarded the train, You will never see me on the plains again. This cowboy life is tough and all too sad. I'll buy me a farm and settle down beside my old dad. Just think of the big red apples and my brown-eyed Sue, and the good times that's coming to me down in old Mizzou. He arrives home for Christmas, or perhaps Thanksgiving Day, when the old folks are happy and the young folks are gay. The girls are all smiling on reckless bronco rider and are treating him to homemade candy, ginger cakes, and apple cider. While one old couple were pleased, they were saying, Now, daughter Mirandy, we know very well for whom you are making that lasses candy. I wouldn't go to any trouble for him if I were you, for he's desperately in love with your little cousin Sue. So winter after winter, the boys drifted home from the west, and each girl in her Lindsay done her level best to corral the wild cowboy and tame him down and keep him from getting drunk and shooting up the town. These boys seemed restless and loved to chase the longhorn instead of being a nester and plowing the green corn. He took in the theaters, the varieties and dance, and took a sly drink whenever there was a chance. He would seldom go home for his dinner at noon, for he was watching some game in a downtown saloon. And on bologna, cheese, and crackers he would feed, while he told some tenderfoot of a big stampede. His money all spent, he barely escapes jail, and resolves once more to hit the cowboy trail. Many years have passed now, and the old folks are dead. He don't go home winters, but is a line rider instead. So alone in his dugout, through the long winter nights, he does stay, listening to the wail of the winds, and the wolves on the hills not far away. Quietly and slowly, he is filling his pipe with long green, and thinking of the trials and hardships he has seen. 
It's strange he did not save up some of his gains before it was too late, and buy that little farm back in his old native state. For his girl sure loved him, and for him would still be settin' baits, if it had not been for a young farmer back in the States. So sadly and slowly he thinks as he smokes, and is wondering who is now tellin' the tenderfoot's jokes. He had been a Texas Ranger, and stood for many a year, a target for desperados without a thought of fear. Spring opens at last on the far distant plain, and the line rider comes out in his saddle again. He is dashing and bold, but he is getting quite old, and the story of another cowboy will soon be told. And as he lay on the ground and gazed at the same bright stars in June, he felt that his time was coming soon, to join the old cowboys who had gone before, to the great eternal roundup on the other shore. His life had been wrecked, and he felt that he must soon die, and he wondered if there was a home for the cowboys in the sweet by and by. And if on the other side of Jordan, in the green fields of Eden, where the tree of life is blooming, if there is rest for me. I have rode my last bronco, to the boys he had said, while out on the prairie he made down his bed. Alas, it was too true, for just before dawn, to the great eternal roundup his spirit had gone. Then we dug a shallow grave, just six by three, and buried him out on the lone prairie. J.R. Williams House of Representatives, State of Texas. Whereas Captain W.J.L. Sullivan was elected doorkeeper of the 31st legislature at the beginning of the regular session, and has served in that capacity with distinction, and whereas he has always been on time, and has never been absent from duty during the entire session, and whereas during all the calls of the house he was always courteous, but firm as the rock of Gibraltar, and whereas he has performed all the duties of doorkeeper in a most efficient manner, Therefore be it resolved by the House of Representatives that the House extends to him its sincere thanks for so faithfully discharging all of his duties as doorkeeper. Signed, Aston. District Clerk's Office, Tarrant County. W.D. McVean, Clerk. Mike E. Smith, Judge, 17th District. Irby Dunklin, Judge, 48th District. Fort Worth, Texas, January 9, 1902. W.J.L. Sullivan, Esquire, Dalhart, Texas. My dear friend, I am in receipt of your letter of recent date telling me of the unfortunate occurrence which resulted in the death of a man at your hands in your attempt to make an arrest of another. I had also read of the affair in the newspapers, and was much grieved to learn of it, both on your account as well as on account of the one who was killed. I have known you well ever since I was a child, and feel assured beyond the possibility of a doubt that the killing was an honest mistake on your part. I have never heard you charged of doing any living person a willful wrong, and knowing your noble, generous nature as I do, I know you are incapable of such an act. Your brave, honest nature would not permit you to take even an unfair advantage of an enemy in a conflict, much less to willfully kill an innocent man whom you did not know and against whom you had no grievance. While the affair was most unfortunate and deeply to be deplored, I have no doubt but that any officer in your position at the time, and viewing the surroundings as you did, would have done likewise. I consider the whole occurrence more as an accident, or as the result of accidental circumstances, than otherwise, and I sincerely sympathize with you in your deep regrets over it all. No one who knows and believes in you, as I do, will censor you under all the circumstances. Your friend sincerely, Irby Dunklin. Last letter written by condemned man. On October 27, 1899, Reverend G. E. Morrison was hanged in Vernon for the murder of his wife in Panhandle City in the spring of that year. 
This was one of the most celebrated and remarkable murders, trials, and executions that has ever occurred in Texas, and attracted more attention, perhaps, in the state and Indian territory than any case for many years, owing to the character and profession of the man. Captain John L. Sullivan, now of the Capitol Police Force, assisted in the execution of Morrison at Vernon, October 27, 1899. On the night previous, Captain Sullivan, who was on the death watch, requested the condemned man to write him a note that he might preserve it as a remembrance. He indicted the following letter, which has never before been published, the original of which Captain Sullivan has in his possession. Vernon, Texas, October 26, 1899. Mr. Sullivan. Dear Sir, You have asked me to write something that you can keep to remember the occasion of our meeting. I don't know what to say to you, but I hope the following may be entirely satisfactory. First, I believe in a future life, and I believe that men are punished for the sins of this life and are rewarded for the good things. Second, I believe in a general judgment and all must stand in that day before the bar of God and be judged. I believe I have the witness of God's Spirit bearing witness with my own spirit, and believe that, though God allows man's law to take my life, yet he saves me, and I have no fears of the future whatever. Now, good-bye, and may you ever be the champion of the right and an enemy of the wrong. Your well-wisher, G. E. Morrison. A Tribute of Honor Aberdeen, Texas, August 18, 1893 At a meeting of our citizens today, the following resolutions were adopted. Whereas, on or about April 1, 1893, Corporal W. J. L. Sullivan, of Company B, Texas State Rangers, established headquarters in our midst to investigate charges of cattle stealing and other lawlessness preferred by certain private individuals, whose object in calling on the state for rangers we believe to have been the intimidation of settlers. And, whereas, Corporal Sullivan, upon coming here, had a one-sided story and the prejudice of our people against him, and might very easily have precipitated much trouble, but by his cool-headed, careful, and thorough investigation, conducted in a gentlemanly manner, he succeeded in tracing these false accusations against our community to their source, and by his diplomacy averted trouble, and, whereas, Corporal Sullivan has been recalled, now, therefore, be it resolved, that we, the undersigned citizens of Aberdeen, desire to thank Corporal Sullivan for his manly treatment of us all, and for his valuable services to our community while located here, and be it resolved that we recommend Corporal Sullivan to his superior officer as an officer we believe to be possessed of the necessary nerve and ability to perform the most difficult task in his line, and one well calculated to make the ranger force respected and popular among the people, and be it further resolved that these resolutions be sent to Corporal Sullivan, and that a copy of the same be furnished the following papers for publication, Fort Worth Gazette, Canna Chief, Amarillo Northwest, and Memphis Herald. E. E. McAllister, Alwyn Dillard, W. A. Dethridge, J. G. Wright, J. R. Hill, S. L. Blake, S. F. Booker, J. A. McCracken, T. E. Walker, J. H. White, T. O. Jones, Bob Brown, J. N. Jones, D. A. Goodwin, M. C. Starkey, Andy Jones, William Wall, J. W. Ammons, S. E. Tomlinson, J. C. Walker, T. E. Walker, T. B. Starkey, William Jones, A. L. Walker, W. E. Johnson, W. P. Bumpass. I hewed to the line and let the chips fall where they may and won the victory. Thank God my motto is do right and go ahead. W. J. L. Sullivan, ex-sergeant of Company B, Texas Rangers. Copied August 23, 1906 by G. C. Morris.
Austin, Texas, August 1st, 1906. Sergeant W. J. L. Sullivan, City. My dear fellow, I am glad to bear testimony to the brave and faithful service you rendered your state as a Texas Ranger during a long series of years of arduous duties. I know you love Texas far more than thousands who have proclaimed their patriotism from political platforms. I have not forgotten the dark days of ten to twenty years ago when, in many localities, the presence of the Texas Rangers was the only thing that gave hope of protection of life and property. The years of awful dread that hung over the counties bordering on the Colorado River from Milburn to Bluffton, which saw the first rift in the lowering clouds of mob rule when you and your little band of rangers struck camp in the very heart of the mob country, and by fearless vigilance, absolutely untiring, day and night, at last brought assurance of law and order to that terror-stricken community. It was my privilege to see much of you in that dangerous position and undertaking, and my pleasure to know that the courage, tact, and skill displayed by you under many trying conditions met with the praise of all fair-minded citizens. And, too, I was a distressed onlooker and interested with painful regret the unfortunate accident that befell you one cold December day in 1896, resulting from your extreme desire to lend every aid to the county authorities in ferreting out crime. The sheriff rushed up to you, saying, John L., let one of your boys go after Del Dean, a horse thief, who has just left town. He was indicted by the grand jury. There were none of your boys in hailing distance, so you said, what's the matter with me, and was now chasing that coyote through the mountain breaks south of the town, where old Sorrel made an airship of you and your ordinance of dynamite shells in an unannounced rehearsal of a high somersaulting performance, I suppose, although I had not noticed any bill posters about town that day. During the rehearsal you went on a strike, two strikes in fact, one for high air and then for a soft spot to alight, which was about a solid acre of honeycomb limestone, where the Citizens Committee of Lawyers and Doctors spent several hours, tenderly, and with suppressed curses, gathering up the fragments and carting them to town. There were no rocks left on that acre. You and the dynamite cartridges had not done a thing to them. I think you still carry a souvenir of that performance somewhere about your right wrist. You merit the gratitude of every friend of law and order by your long, courageous, faithful service as a Texas Ranger of the true type, ever ready, never tiring, and always civil, courteous, and sober. Texas never had a more zealous and fearless ranger in her service is the way I size you up, and this is endorsed by hundreds of men scattered from here to the lonely dugout in the Indian Territory, where Beckham passed in his cheeks one bitter cold night when old John L., far in the van, grew impatient for the others to arrive and charged the outlaws. You carry a broken rib, I believe, as a memento of that little fracas. Your friend, Sidon Harris. Turner and Boyce, Lawyers. Amarillo, Texas, December 26, 1904. To the members-elect of the 29th Legislature, it has just come to my knowledge that Mr. W. J. L. Sullivan, late of Company B, Frontier Battalion of Texas, will be an applicant for the position of doorkeeper of the House of Representatives, and, as a citizen of Texas who feels a deep interest in securing the very best material to fill the various places of public trust, I wish to add my testimony to the deserving worth of Mr. Sullivan. I have known Mr. Sullivan for over fifteen years, during a large portion of which time he was stationed in Amarillo as one of the rangers of Company B, and, if my memory is not at fault, he was for some time first sergeant of that company here. He has always been one of the most zealous and faithful officers it has ever been my pleasure to know. He was always unflinching in his high regard for and devotion to duty. It is his nature to be passionately loyal to the enforcement of the laws, 
and so well known is his courage and fidelity to duty that his name has long been a constant terror to evildoers. His fearlessness in the face of danger, and his sterling integrity was, during his stay with us, a reassuring safeguard of our protection against violators of the law. No matter how desperate the criminal whose capture was desired, nor how many hardships were to be endured in his pursuit, there was never the slightest degree of hesitancy on the part of Mr. Sullivan, or John L., as he is familiarly known. He was always ready and anxious to do his whole duty, and his valuable services have been highly beneficial to the panhandle. Besides being a splendid officer, Mr. Sullivan is a sober, honorable, and reliable man. He stands high among the people who know him best, and he has many friends throughout this section who feel that his long and faithful services to the state, the many hardships which he endured, and the example which he set for the public good, ought to be rewarded now with the position which he seeks. Very truly yours, Thomas F. Turner. San Saba, Texas, January 25, 1902. To the Grand Jury of Dallam County, Texas, at their next regular session in and for said county, I have learned with regret of the trouble my old friend, John L. Sullivan, has had recently in your county in trying to arrest two murderers, which he has been notified and requested to do, and, knowing John L. as I do, and feeling the interest in him and his welfare that I do, and having good reasons for it that I have, I hope you will excuse me for writing on the subject, which is not done to try and influence you corruptly or wrongfully, but that you consider his character and disposition, along with the actions you may deem necessary to investigate and take action on, in connection with the unfortunate affair John L. got into, and that you may do your duty and act justly in the matter. I have known Mr. Sullivan for the last ten or twelve years as an officer and law-abiding citizen, and state ranger as a man that is always ready to try to do his duty fearlessly. I was district attorney in the 46th Judicial District of Texas under G.A. Brown, the district judge, and in some of the counties in my district I had some just such characters to deal with in my prosecutions as those murderers Sullivan ran onto in your country, and they would form clans to try to intimidate and deter me from prosecuting them vigorously, and my district judge often deemed it necessary to call on the governor for state rangers to come to the court for my protection and safety. John L. Sullivan was always sent as sergeant of a squad of rangers to protect me and preserve order in the court, and John L. always accomplished the purpose for which he was sent, and did it wisely and fearlessly, and proved himself one of the best and most cautious, as well as determined, officers I ever saw or knew. He has come in contact with such daring, desperate characters so often, and knows their place so well, that he can't afford to wait when he sees a criminal make an obstinate play when he is trying to arrest him, and the question in this case, as it seems, was whether he should wait and delay his opportunity until him or his assistant, or both, were shot down by the outlaws, or whether, as a good officer, he should do his duty at once, and out of the abundance of caution, beat his desired prisoner's shooting, when the first intimation of the outlaws indicated their purpose, and in the furor and excitement, and so many shooting on both sides, one to enforce the majesty of the law and the other to resist it, it is hard to tell whose bullets did the killing. All good citizens should uphold the majesty of the law and the officers of the law in the discharge of their duty. I am not dictating to you, gentlemen, but I do not want you to be deceived in the character of Mr. Sullivan. Begging your pardon for troubling you this much, I am truly yours for justice and right, be that in favor or against my old friend. Signed, G. W. Walters, Attorney at Law. Dalhart, Texas, January 12, 1903. To whom it may concern, 
I take pleasure in pleading the cause of my old friend, John L. Sullivan. I have known him long, and know him to be a brave, good man, and a Christian gentleman. Long he has served in western Texas. He has spent the best part of his life in its service, always ready to defend the right and fight the wrong. I have seen, in new western towns, even right here in Dalhart, in its infancy, robberies and lawlessness of all kinds committed daily. John L. Sullivan came, and it was like a calm before a mighty storm, wrestling with unseen danger. But he was there calm and immovable, brave as a lion, ready to do his duty and serve his people. And now, dear friends, I think he deserves something at the hands of the people he has served so long and faithfully. Long live my old friend and his name long after he is gone. Honor to whom honor is due has always been my motto. There is no man in western Texas more deserving than John L. Sullivan, the faithful discharger of duty. Signed, respectfully, Mrs. M. S. Jackson. Flack and Dalrymple, Attorneys at Law. Lano, Texas, July 29, 1907. To Governor George Curry, Santa Fe, New Mexico. My dear sir, I take great pleasure in recommending to your most favorable consideration my old friend, Captain W. J. L. Sullivan. I understand he will be an applicant for a captaincy of mounted police under your administration. If so, you can find no better man for the position. I have known him as an officer for the past twenty-five years, and when I say he has at all times done his full duty, I speak only the truth, and when it can be said of a man that he has faithfully discharged his duty, no more need be said, for in that sentence is contained sufficient to a businessman like yourself. However, I will further say that Captain Sullivan has been with the Texas Ranger Force for the past twelve years, and in that capacity he has been called to the aid of our peace officers from one end of our state to the other. His field of action has been mostly confined to West Texas, where he has had to contend with all character of violators of the law, from the midnight assassin to the petty thief, but his best work has been done in dealing with what is known in central West Texas as the mob. I speak of this because his work in that line came under my direct observation. In ridding that portion of our state of the mob, Texas owes Captain Sullivan a debt of gratitude she can never pay. He is a man of great executive ability, nature having done much for him in that way, cool, calm, and deliberate in action, and in whose makeup the word fear has no abiding place in any fiber of his existence. During his long career as an officer, he has been called to face danger in its every form, and he has yet to show the white feather, for he has never done so up to this hour. Having been brought frequently face to face with the very worst element of the West Texas Desperado, he has never come in contact with a sufficient number to check him from his duty. He has courage without rashness, and his experience as an officer would aid him greatly in dealing with the character of men you want controlled. He knows them as few men know them, he knows the best method of dealing with them, and I am sure he would make you a valuable man anywhere you may place him. My dear sir, in writing you as I have, in behalf of Captain Sullivan, I have not indulged in fulsome praise, but simply speak truthful words which came direct from my heart. I have not gone into detail, because I know your time is too valuable to be thus consumed. Myself, in common with the host of Captain Sullivan's friends out west, would be much pleased if you could find it consistent with your duty to give him a place under your administration. He is worthy of it, and I feel sure you would never have cause to regret it. Captain Sullivan's personal integrity is above reproach, and his courage is unsurpassed. Hoping your administration will prove a blessing to your people, and with best regards, I am yours very respectfully. Signed, Jason Flack. 
Ex-member, Texas Legislature. Not 30th. Dalhart, Texas, January 8, 1903. To whom it may concern. I am very much pleased to write this letter in behalf of our much appreciated friend, Mr. John L. Sullivan. If, perchance, it may through some divine power or influence find its way to a deserving community who needs and is able to pay for the services of a faithful, much-deserving officer and Christian gentleman, which we Dalhart people have found in the person of Mr. Sullivan. His presence in our midst is like a ray of sunshine in time of storm, both as a firm, kind-spoken officer, whom he thinks would feel sadly disgraced should he for a moment shrink from his duty or betray any trust reposed in him, and a friendly Christian visitor. We regret very much to lose him from our little town, which he served so faithfully. His memory, I dare say, will be like letters of gold and pictures of silver when we think of the reformation wrought by his services, and wherever he may go, we bid him Godspeed. Signed, very truly, Mrs. S. Hoffman. Douglasville, Texas, February 13, 1908. Governor George Curry, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dear Sir, I am now about to engage in a duty that we owe to each other, our fellow man. I am now recommending to you a friend, a man that I know to be true to his country and true to his fellow man in every sense of the word. The man that I present to you is the Honorable W.J.L. Sullivan. I have known him for 40 years. He is an honorable, truthful, sober Christian gentleman as ever lived, and if you can help Mr. Sullivan, I will appreciate the favor, as he has many friends in this country that will consider it a great favor. Yours truly, signed, W.B. Heath, Justice of the Peace, Cass County, Texas. Douglasville, Texas, February 9, 1908. Governor George Curry, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dear Sir, the gentleman who presents this to you is Captain W.J.L. Sullivan, a citizen of this place who visits your city on personal business, and any courtesy shown him will be gratefully appreciated by his many friends throughout Texas. For many years he has served our state as one of the rangers, and in other responsible ways, and has always been true to every trust and faithful and honest to every friend, and a terror to evildoers. Hence it is, I take pleasure in handing you this endorsement of an honest man. Respectfully yours, signed, W.D. Stone. Douglasville, Texas, February 14, 1908. Governor George Curry, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dear Sir, I take this occasion to introduce to you the bearer of this letter, Mr. W.J.L. Sullivan, whom I have known personally for 40 years. Mr. Sullivan is generous, honorable, and, in fact, one of nature's noblemen. He served in the capacity of state ranger for 12 years, with great credit to himself and an honor to the state of Texas. Mr. Sullivan visits your state on private business. Any advice and assistance you may render will be highly appreciated by him and duly acknowledged by myself. Believing that your acquaintance will be mutual and agreeable, I am, very respectfully, signed, T.G. Howe, M.D. February 5th, 1908. Governor George Curry, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dear Sir, this will introduce to your favorable acquaintance my friend, Mr. W.J.L. Sullivan, whom I have favorably known for more than 35 years. Mr. Sullivan has been an officer as state ranger for 12 years, in which position he rendered efficient and a valuable service to our state. I can truthfully say that Mr. Sullivan is a truthful, reliable, sober gentleman, and stands preeminently high with all Texans as an officer and public servant. 
My friend, Sullivan, visits your state on private business of his own. Anything that you can do for him, or favors rendered, will be highly appreciated by the writer. Very respectfully, signed, A.C. Smith. Douglasville, Texas, February 13, 1908. Governor George Curry, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Dear Sir, this will be handed to you by my friend, Mr. W.J.L. Sullivan, whom I have known from his boyhood, and cheerfully recommend him to the favorable consideration and confidence of the public. Any favors shown him will be duly appreciated by his many friends in Cass County, Texas. Yours respectfully, signed A.C. Oliver, M.D. The Ex-Ranger Recovering A brave and fearless man who has taken many risks. Ex-Ranger Sergeant W.J.L. Sullivan, better known as John L., is rapidly improving from the recent accident which occurred at his ranch north of town some two months ago. As a full account was given in these columns at the time, it is not necessary to refer to it again. Sullivan's first experience as a ranger was in 1888 under Captain McMurray, who was then commanding Company B of the State Ranger Force. Since that time, Sullivan has been a terror to the lawbreakers of the state and has succeeded in running down more criminals than any other ranger ever in the service before or since. Eminently possessed of those sturdy qualities which go to make up a successful executive officer, Sullivan has justly earned a distinction as broad as that state which he so faithfully served. Quiet, cool, and always sober, he stood when in the service without a peer in the state as an executive officer. He made some enemies, it is true, but so has every other officer who has discharged his duty as honestly and as fearlessly as he did. It is not necessary to enumerate numerous scouts and various expeditions led and the important captures made, as they are a part of the criminal annals of our state. Wish you an immediate recovery, John L., and may you live many years to rest on the laurels you have so justly won. Amarillo, Northwest End of Twelve Years in the Saddle